Okay, well, I don't know if y'all have realized that school around here is starting this week. Is that a parent or a student who is, who is shouting, <laughs> shouting for joy? I mean, you know, you know the excitement is beginning. I don't know if you've been to the store lately. Anybody been like South Point or anywhere? The students got their backpacks, getting their new gear. The shoe stores are packed. I don't know why you have to have new shoes at the beginning of the school year. Like the shoes over the summer weren't good enough, but the shoe stores are packed. They're getting school supplies. So the students are getting, getting excited. Uh, parents are getting excited to have a little more structure, have the kids out of the house. Any excited parents in here for the school year? Just a few. Okay. Oh, they're raising their hands. They don't even have the energy. They don't even have the energy to clap or, or, or shout or anything. And then we have our teachers. I know we have some teachers here with us, and there is uh, some excitement, uh, maybe a little uh, uncertainty, fear, a little hope that maybe this school year might be a little more normal than the last couple of years. There's a lot of different feelings going on as students all over the, the state of Georgia here in the community gather together this week in a classroom and do what you do the first week of school. I don't know if you remember that week. It's a good week. It's a good week where you kind of ease in a little bit and, and you, you focus on some important things. I mean, one, you focus on relationships. Teachers are getting to know their students. Students are getting to know one another. And you're kind of figuring things out as a community in a classroom. So you focus on relationships. You have your, your reminders. Students are reminded you can't use the bathroom anytime you want to. Or you can, but there's going to be an issue. But like there's a bathroom schedule. There's a lunch schedule reminding them, hey, wash your hands. There's all those kind of basic reminders that teachers have to do the first week of school. And then there's the rules, right? Teachers set the rules for their classroom and the culture and how things are going to be. It's kind of a week of setting foundations together. And as, as students and teachers and classrooms are doing that over the next week and beyond, we're going to be kind of doing something similar as a church in this upcoming sermon series. We're going to be talking about some foundations, some basics. We're going to be uh, focusing on, on what relationships look like, what our relationship with God, what, what that's supposed to look like, what our relationships with others can be. We're going to talk about some rules or core values of disciples of Jesus Christ, how Jesus wants us to live as his people in this world. And, and we're going to be going over some reminders. So for some of you, if you've been, been a follower of Jesus a while, this might be stuff that you kind of need to be reminded of. Others of you, maybe this is going to be some brand new stuff, but we're going to be focusing on these things in the weeks ahead. And so this morning, as we're kind of entering this new school year together, I want to, I want to share with you a message that's really a reminder of something many of you probably know. It's, it's a reminder of something that's very basic, very foundational for the Christian faith. And it's a reminder that, that the Apostle Paul, one of the great leaders in the early church, when he was reaching out to churches, when he was planting churches and writing them letters, it's something he reminded them of again and again and again. Because what the Apostle Paul knew was back then, and maybe we'd say today, like people were forgetful. People were forgetful. They kept forgetting stuff that he taught them. They kept focusing on different things, maybe things that weren't as important. And so Paul writes letters to them, reminding them of some of the basics of the faith. And this morning, we're going to look at a reminder he gives them. And it's like, it's like the Corinthians are students who are in a classroom, and they've learned some stuff in the past, but they've kind of forgotten it. And Paul is sitting them down saying, hey, I want to remind you of something I've shared with you already, something you've already believed, but something we need to focus on once again. And so we're going to be looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to 
to open them up. And since, hey, it's like the first week of school, if, if you need books, right, you give out books the first week of school. If you need a Bible, we have some at the Welcome Center, and we'd love for you to take one as a free gift or uh, download the Bible app on your phone. It's a great resource with great reading plans. Um, we want to equip you to read God's Word for yourself, not just to listen, but, but to read and engage it during the week. So we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1 this morning, where Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. He says, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It's the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter. And then by the 12, after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, Paul writes, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, It's all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. So as I mentioned, Paul here, he's giving some reminders of things they've already heard. Things that, that a lot of them have already Believed, And now, if you're familiar with the Apostle Paul's writings, he wrote a lot of letters to a lot of different churches. And, and letters like Romans, you might be familiar with that one. Sometimes Paul's arguments and the things he, he, he's communicating, they kind of require a lot of interpretation. Sometimes they're hard to, to follow his line of thinking. Sometimes it requires a lot of cultural context to understand what's going on. But, but here, Paul, as he's giving them this reminder, it's like the first week of school, he's making it very plain for them. He's giving them a reminder of something they need to hear over and over again. He's reminding them of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that has the power to save. And as he gives them this reminder, he says, look, I didn't make this stuff up. I didn't make this up. This isn't something I invented. This is something I received. And now I'm passing on to you. And the Corinthian church received it. They passed it on to others. They passed it on to others. They passed it on to others. Eventually the good news was passed on to me. And now this morning... As a preacher of the gospel, I'm passing it on to you once again. And so as Paul is giving them this reminder of the gospel of Jesus Christ, here's where he starts. He says this, Christ died for our sins. Will you say that with me? Christ died for our sins. That's where he begins. He says, Christ died for our sins. And now, if you look up here and we we dissect the sentence a little bit, We have this word at the end here, sins. And now sin is a word that honestly in our culture isn't used as much anymore now. We we talk about mistakes or we messed up or we we did bad things or, you know, we did something unintentionally, right? Paul here, he uses the word sin. 
And he's using it intentional. This is a word we find all throughout scriptures. It's a word that is very common in the Christian vocabulary. And when Paul is writing about sin, in the Greek he's using this word harmartia. And harmartia is a word that was also used in their culture to describe something that happened when someone was shooting a bow and arrow, like in an archery competition, and they shoot the arrow, and the arrow is flying, it's flying, and then it falls short of the target. Any of y'all been watching the Olympics? They don't, they don't really miss much in the Olympics, okay? But, but leading up to it, yeah, people are shooting their bows and arrows, they're trying to aim for the target, and it misses. And that's what Paul's talking about here when he's talking about sin. He's talking about when we miss the mark, when we have this ideal, the standard that God has set before us, and we don't live up to it. And Jesus, in his ministry, he was clear on, on what God's ideal was, what the target is. He said the most important commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so he says, look, that is the target. That's the ideal that, that Christ wants all of us to live into, but he acknowledges the reality that we all, we all know. We've all experienced, we all see it on the news every night, that we are sinners who've fallen short of God's standard. And so there are things we, we do that aren't loving towards God. There are things we do that, that aren't loving towards other people and things we don't do that God calls us to do, things that we, we should do for our neighbors that we don't do. And so, so he's saying, look, we all sin in many different ways. That's what he's reminding us of here. And because of our sin, we, we really experience guilt before God because we've, we've fallen short of his standard. We've broken our relationship with him and with other people. And, and this, this guilt is, a, is a, a weight, a burden that we bear. It's something we, we carry with us. And sometimes we, we feel it in, in small ways here and there. The Holy Spirit convicts us of different things. Sometimes we, we feel it in a more significant way. Sometimes we can identify with, with David who, who wrote this. He said in Psalm 38, 4, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Sometimes we really feel it. And, and I once saw a, a preacher kind of illustrate the problem of sin and and the ways we experience guilt with a, with a backpack and with, with some rocks, like rocks that, that represent all the different ways that we sin. So he said, you know, there are all sorts of different ways we sin. Some of them uh, are common to, to, to other people. They struggle with the same things. They sin in the same way. Sometimes they're, they're unique to us. But he said, look, sometimes, you know, the sins that we, we do... You know, maybe it's like a, just like a look of judgment here, a look of judgment there when you're at the store and you just look somebody up and down and think, I would never, right? A little, little pride. Sometimes it's, it's, it's gossip. Maybe it's a prayer request disguised in the, or gossip disguised in the form of a prayer request or, you know, you're just, just kind of, you know, chatting it up and, you know, we, we do that from time to time. Sometimes it's a little white lie because we think, you know what? It's not going to hurt anybody, and honestly, it's too complicated to tell the truth. So, we, you know, we do that. You know, it might be just having a disrespectful attitude towards a teacher or our parents. You know, it's just something. And, like, over time, a lot of times, like, we don't really feel super guilty for these things. Sometimes our, our, 
Our hearts are so hard and we've done these things so many times we don't really think about it or feel too guilty. But over time, you know, we, we do a lot of these and they can, they can add up, right? They can, they can kind of add up and so then we can start, start feeling the weight a little bit. We start feeling a little, a little guilt for our sins and we're bearing that. But then there are other things that are bigger. You know, maybe this is uh, not just a glance, but maybe like entertaining a, a lustful thought, you know, just throw that in there. Not just small judgment, but, you know, it's like, hey, I just need to be hateful on Facebook for the world to see, you know, okay, you just throw that in there. You know, maybe it's like, that was a little white lie, but now at work, you're trying to meet your goals, so... You just cut a few corners. Nobody will know. Nobody cares. You know, you start, start feeling these things a little more. At school, you know you're not supposed to cheat, but you know your parents want you to get a good grade. So you say, you know what? We have to weigh the options here. Throw that in there, and you kind of feel that, right? So there's all sorts of things that we do, and they begin to weigh us down. They begin to weigh us down, and then, you know, these things add up over time. But then there's, there's bigger ones. These are ones that, that really affect our relationships with others a lot of times. So a lot of times we don't, we don't say anything. We don't, we don't share these. They kind of are secret. A lot of times we have a lot of shame with them. And so what happens a lot of times, these little rocks, they're like snowballs. They, they keep going and going and going. And so a thought here leads to this here. And then, you know, you have a relationship you shouldn't be having. Maybe you just betray a friend or a loved one intentionally. You're intentionally harming other people. You have those. Then, then you know what? You're not just cutting corners here. You're, you're embezzling a little here, a little there. Hate leads to anger. Anger leads to murder. Hurting people. You can see how this works, right? And so over time, all of this is stuff that we begin to carry. We begin to carry this guilt, this shame. And, and what happens is a lot of us, we just think this is, you know, this is how it is. This is how it is, and we get used to it because we all have our little backpack. We get used to it, and we think, you know what? I've done wrong things. This is just what we have to live with. But what happens is like this, I'm, I'm getting a little winded. Like this steals our joy. It prevents us from living the life that God created us to live. We can't move as freely in the world. And, and it also affects our relationship with God. Relational distance begins to grow as we continue to sin in all of these different ways, in all these different forms, whatever it looks like. And it also affects our relationships with other people. Like if you try to come up and give me a hug right now, like if Steve were to come up and try to give me a hug, it'd be very awkward, wouldn't it? It'd be very awkward and uncomfortable. And so we're, we're carrying all of this stuff with us. It weighs us down. The guilt is something we live with, we try to manage, we try to deal with it in so many different ways, a lot of times unhealthy ways. And what Paul is reminding us here is that Christ died for our sins, that God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus Christ, his one and only son into the world, to do something about our sin. It was his love. It was his compassion. It was his mercy. And so God sent Jesus into this world. And when Jesus was walking in this world, he was walking as someone without sin. He didn't miss the mark. He hit the mark. He loved God perfectly. He loved others. He showed us 
what a life without sin looks like. And Jesus lived a life of joy, peace, patience, and so much more. But he not just lived a sinless life, he also died upon the cross, one like this one over here. He died upon the cross for us because you see, God, he knew that our sin had to be dealt with. Couldn't just be overlooked. Couldn't just be ignored. God is a just God. God is a holy God. So God said, you know what? I want to do something about my people's sins. I want to take care of them myself. And so Jesus Christ, he willingly went to the cross to bear the weight of our guilt himself. He took our sins upon himself, the punishment we deserved upon himself. He did that so that we could be forgiven and so that we could be set free, so that we could be people who don't live with these burdens and with this guilt and with this shame. And that's what it feels like when you experience God's forgiveness. You've been, you've been living with all this stuff, but then when you finally are able to lay it down, lay it at the foot of the cross and experience his love and his forgiveness, there is a freedom. There is an ability to, to, to move, to live as the people God created us to be. There is a joy. There is a lightness in our step when we experience the forgiveness that Jesus Christ desires for each and every one of us. And so Paul reminds us here, he's reminding the church, I'm reminding you, Christ died for our sins so you don't have to bear them anymore. But then he continues. He continues and he says, not only Christ died for our sins, but he also reminds us that he was buried. Christ was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. And he reminds us of this. This is important because, look, if Jesus Christ had just died on the cross and that was the end, well, then our our sin and the problem of death, the wages of sin, death, wouldn't have been fully and finally dealt with. But Jesus not only died, he rose again. And we rose again. He defeated sin. He defeated death once and for all. And Paul reminds us as he continues in this chapter that Jesus Christ has a resurrected body. He lives and reigns with God now and forever. And his resurrected body is a foretaste of our resurrection to come. And he's saying because of Christ's death, because of his resurrection, you have forgiveness. You have reconciliation with God. You're gonna have life with God forever. Paul's writing about this Christ who's risen and who has scars in his hands because of his act of great love for us. And then Paul keeps going and he adds this final thing, which is kinda, it kind of it doesn't align exactly. It's something we don't often think of. He says, look, Christ was also seen by many people. He says Christ died, Christ was raised again, and then he was seen by many people. And Paul tells us, this, I think, to say, look, once again, I didn't make this up. He says there were over 500 eyewitnesses to the resurrection. He appeared to the disciples. He appeared to all sorts of people. Look, we know that he took our sin upon his cross. He died and he rose again. And then he lists out a few different people specifically in his letter, which is very interesting. That was the part that stuck out to me this week the most as I was being reminded of the gospel once again. And I don't know if you noticed the list of names here, In the scripture reading that he says, he says, Christ appeared to Cephas, also known as Simon Peter, the rock. And do you remember 
what Simon Peter had done just before this, just before Jesus met him. You remember? He had denied him, not once, not twice, but three times. But after Jesus died for his sins and rose again, Jesus sought him out. He sought him out and he forgave Peter. I think what Paul's reminding us of this morning is that no matter how many times you've denied Christ, with your actions, with your inactions, no matter how many times you've forsaken him, his forgiveness is for you. And then he lists another person. He says James. He says he appeared to James, which is kind of an odd name in this list. And I don't know if you remember who James is. James is the brother of Jesus. And the Gospels, by all accounts, imply that while Jesus was growing up and while he was doing his public ministry, that James, his brother, wasn't actually a believer in him. And this makes sense, right? I mean, imagine if your brother said that he was the Christ. Would you believe him? Probably not. So James, he, he wasn't a believer. He's seeing all these miracles and all this stuff, but like he, he couldn't believe. But then when Jesus died and rose again, when, when Jesus defeated death and came to his brother, James, James believed. He experienced forgiveness from Christ and he went on to be a leader in the early church. And so we're reminded here that no matter how old you are, no matter how many doubts you've had, no matter if you struggle with belief, when you believe in Jesus Christ, he promises to give you the gift of forgiveness. And then in the list of names, Paul lists himself. And he says, I, I'm really the least and the last person that Jesus came to and that Jesus could have came to. And he kind of says, like, you know, Jesus shouldn't have even come to me, he says, because I'm completely unworthy. I'm unworthy. I'm undeserving of his forgiveness. Because Paul, if you remember, he was overseeing the destruction of Christian churches. He was overseeing the murder of Christians when Jesus was appearing to all these other people. He says, I'm not deserving of Christ's forgiveness. I should have to carry this weight all the days of my life. He shouldn't have done it for me, but he did. Out of love, Christ bore my sin, and then Christ appeared to him and proclaimed forgiveness for her sins. And so Paul experienced forgiveness. He experienced transformation. He experienced new life. Paul says, this is my story. This is my story. This is James's story. This is Peter's story. Look, as the one proclaiming the good news to you this morning, this is my story. And the reason we're reminding you of this today is because we want this to be your story. No matter how undeserving, how unworthy of God's forgiveness you feel, Jesus Christ loves you and he died for you. He died for the whole world and he died for each and every one of us. And so no matter how you feel, no matter what you've done, no matter the size of the backpack you're carrying, Christ is saying this morning, lay it at the foot of the cross. I've dealt with your sin. You can experience my forgiveness. And so for that to happen, I mean, it's, it's not super complicated. 
It begins with admitting. Admitting that we have, we have sinned, that we've messed up, that we've missed the mark, that we haven't lived up to God's ideal. And if you take an honest look at your life, we can probably all, all agree, you know, we, that's us. And then it continues by believing, by believing in this Christ that Paul tells us about, that, that Christ is God's one and only son who lived and died and rose again for us. It's believing that he has the power, the ability, and the desire because of his love to forgive even you. And then he says, you know what, we need to confess. Confess our sins, not just to kind of say, you know, yeah, I kind of messed up, yeah, yeah. No, to confess, to come before God and be brutally honest and say, here are the ways I've sinned that have been big. Here are the ways that I sin on a daily basis that are, that are small. To come before him and say, look, here is my sin. I hate it. I don't want to do it anymore. I want to live differently to come with a repentant heart and to lay it all at the foot of the cross. And 1 John 1, 9 gives us a promise that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. And he will forgive us of all unrighteousness. He will forgive us. He will cleanse us. He will purify us. And when we lay our sin at the foot of the cross, when we give Jesus this burden that we've been carrying, this burden he's already dealt with, we also experience what, what David writes about in Psalm 103. And David was someone who knew a lot about God's forgiveness David says this, that God does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love is towards those who fear him and it's as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. That's how far our sins go from us, as far as the east is from the West. When we experience forgiveness, we can be free. Free to worship, free to love, free to be the people God created us to be. And so this morning, it's just a very simple invitation. And it's come before God with an open heart, with a heart in which you're admitting that, that you've fallen short, in which you're confessing your sin to him and to say, God, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? I believe that you have the power to, that you have the desire to, and place them at the foot of the cross, and he promises to forgive you. And if this is the first time you've ever asked God for forgiveness, it is our hope that you experience that joy and that freedom as you walk out of here today as a changed person. But even if you know this message, right? You're, you're like the Corinthians. You're, you're being reminded over and over. You know that this is something we have to do again and again and again. But as much as we sin, his grace is greater. But he calls us to ask for forgiveness and to receive it once again. And so maybe that's you this morning. You just need to spend some time in prayer laying those things at the foot of the cross. And then I'll, I'll just close with this. Sometimes we've placed things at the foot of the cross. We've acknowledged that, that Christ wants to take them from us, but then we go and we pick them back up. We pick them back up and we say, no, 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 this is mine to bear. And if that's you this morning, Jesus wants to say to you, put it down and leave it down. Don't keep picking it back up. I've forgiven you. I love you. You don't have to bear it anymore. So would you bow your heads with me? And I'm gonna open some prayer and then I'm gonna 
have some silence and the band, band will play and give you just a moment to meet with God and the stillness of your own heart and in your seat or if you want to come down front and pray. But God, this morning as we are entering a new season as a church, as we're entering this new school year, God, first of all, we want to say thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and for his love. Thank you that you haven't left us alone in this world, but that that you have sent your son and you've sent your spirit to be with us and to give us forgiveness and freedom. God, we also ask that you would please forgive us this morning. Please pour out your grace once again and take these sins from us because we know it's your desire to. You've already dealt with them. And God, help us to hand these things over to you. And right now in the, the stillness of our own hearts, God, we, we confess different ways that we've sinned right now. Jesus, please forgive us. Please forgive us. Please transform us. Please give us freedom, victory over these sins. Please help us live as the people you've created us to be, people who love you and love others. Thank you. Thank you this day. We love you. Amen.